What's the word, America? It's your boy Sherman Obed back here once again, bringing you another fabulous episode here on What's the Word Entertainment. Obed, good to see you and have you back here again, sir. What's good with you, man? Gone for a minute now. I'm back with the jump off. Feeling good, though. <laughs> I feel you, homie. Yeah, we're definitely back in action. We've got our returning guest, Chris, coming to us live from uh, Philly. How's it going, man? Sherm Obed, I'm doing quite well today. Uh, what, what day of the week is this? Is it? Is this Wednesday? Friday? It's another panic Monday. <laughs> oh, okay. oh, days of the week are bleeding together, good sirs. I uh, hope you guys are doing well, staying safe. Yep, yep, living that quarantine life as 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 most of the people are, as well, pretty much everyone is these days. But I digress. We the show shall go on, as the folks say in in, in Hollywood. So let's get right into it. We're going to talk about some football here for a little bit, folks. So with us, um, a lot of things have been happening. Of course, we will talk about the pro football draft, which happened a couple of days ago. But first, we want to talk about the some of the biggest news that happened last week around the league. Of course, as you all know, pro football Hall of Fame hopeful soon to be maybe in the next you know 70 year eight years or so tight end rob gronkowski formerly of the new england patriots was traded to the tampa bay buccaneers to reunite with his co-worker and teammate and friend qb tom brady aka tb12 in tampa uh the patriots traded gronk for a seventh round pick he went over there with assuming for a fourth round pick they gave gave gronk and a seventh round pick to the buccaneers um bet oh bet i i have to go to you first obviously here yeah, this affects your team greatly what do you think of the trade and were you as surprised by this as most people may have been uh, I'm thankful uh, that uh, Roberto Yo Soy Fiesta Gronkowski is back in the league. I think they missed him. I think he missed it as well. Um, let's be honest here. A guy who is never going to play for the Patriots again got traded for a fourth-round draft pick. That is just amazing trade value for one for Bill Belichick. I have to give him a hats off to that one. Uh, and also, you know, they, they they had already moved on. BB's trying to plan for the future future here. They had a very deep. This is a very deep draft. Patriots had uh, 12 total selections that were tied for the most in the NFL. Um, and when you think about all of the losses that he had, the defections, uh, he lost Duron Harmon through a trade, Jamie Collins and Danny Sheldon to free agency to the Lions, Atlanta Roberts and Kyle Vinoy to the Dolphins. Uh, also lost Ted Karras, the center who played backup for David Andrews, who was out with a, uh, um, an injury. Uh, he had blood clots in his, in his lungs, in his chest. Um, and so, you know, you have a lot of holes to fill. The, the Patriots, as a fact, had the were dead last in cap space with one million dollars left and still have dead cap money that they're paying to Dom Brady and uh, fans dead cap money just means that that's guaranteed money that they signed on the line for the player like I love the the uh, the word usage around there that's just like oh it's dead cap dead dead money dead money no you signed to pay them why is that money dead the money's been invested and if you look at you invested in this guy who's gone and tom brady you did pretty well but but it came down a numbers game the patriots don't even have enough money in cap space to sign their incoming rookie class so at the end of the day all of my patriots fans out there tom was never coming back there is no way financially to make it work that tom brady could be signed for like 20 some odd million dollars and then go out there and find other guys to to join the team with them. I mean, I think we got to the point where, and, and I'm sure we've talked about this in the past. I'm sure there's something on the back end where Tom was like, Hey, sign me for a maximum. I will give some money back. I'll exchange that for shares in the, in the Patriots organization. And I just got to a point that, you know, Kraft and uh, Rob Kraft and his son, Steven were just like, listen, we can't 
keep this up anymore. Like, mm-hmm. Jonathan, we can't we can't keep this up and try to keep hold of the team. Uh, I mean, I, it's unfortunate, but it's so mm-hmm. cyclical. This is it's funny because this is the last rope that they got to that they they had to blow the team up, right? This, mm-hmm. and you look at the the um, the Bulls. Jerry Krause wanted to blow it up, and he didn't even have these issues. He didn't have uh, uh, roster issues. He didn't have cap issues. He just wanted to blow it up for you know because some men want to see the world burn. Uh, I think it's good <laughs> for for everybody all around. Tom gets to you know take his fire down to Tampa Bay. Um, get, walk into the wrong house. Safety net back, right? Gets a safety net back, but really, I mean that. Let's look at Rob Gronkowski. Whether his brain is going to be mush or not after this, he just got ten million dollars for one year of catching touchdowns. Because who are you going to cover? There isn't a, t- a linebacker that can cover this guy. Even when he was injured, he was still making plays and running past people. Again, that Rams game when he could barely move. You're not putting your number one corner on him because that guy's on Mike Evans. You're not putting your number two corner on him because that guy's on Chris Godwin. And they already have other tight ends there as well as a running back like catch. You know, it's funny. I was actually going to go there next with you, with to you, Chris. You know, looking at their roster, they've got some decent tight end. OJ Howard, Cameron Brait. You know, now you put in Rob Gronkowski in the starting lineup too. Do I, to be honest, I was thinking OJ Howard might be gone. It might they might trade OJ Howard during the draft and maybe pick up some get some additional picks. Maybe go and get it strong on defensive side. What do you quickly, Chris, your thoughts on the trade itself and whether or not it'll work and what do you think is going to happen with the rest of the tight ends on that roster? Well, uh, Sherm, you know, I, I, I think, you know, you and I were talking off air about this. Um, I think this has been in play for over a year. Tom Brady has come out and said, you know, he knew at the beginning of last season that it was his last in New England. So he looked at his boy, Rob, and said, you know what, Rob, you take this year off. This is my last year in New England. We're not probably going to win a title this year. You take it off, you recoup, you get better. We'll come back together wherever I go next. And you know what? That's exactly what happened. Exactly what happened. Um, so kudos to both of them. You know, you know, I, I bet I know sometimes you say I don't take the player side. Well, I'm taking the player side. They took complete control here, and I love what they did here. I love it. Um, Amen. In, regards, in regards to what's going on in the actual, you know, personnel situation, guys. This hands down is going to be Tom's Brady best offense he's had since the 07 season with Randy Moss and even better. You know, what I, I think they're doing in, in Tampa Bay is phenomenal. They've got, you know, they've got Godwin, they, you know, they've got Evans. Um, and, you know, you were right, Sherman. Talk was O.J. Howard might be out the door to get some 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 draft capital, things of that nature. But you know what? I think they're going to kind of reiterate what New England had at the time when you had Gronkowski and the late Aaron Hernandez. Um, different skill sets. I understand what Howard d- brings to the table isn't exactly the same as what Hernandez did. Hernandez was a mm-hmm. far better athlete than OJ Howard. But if you have right. two great safety nets for him to throw to, and Gronkowski was known forever, OJ Howard, a young talent, I think it's a great fit. And I don't see OJ Howard going anywhere. Yeah, I mean, they can they could really come out in 21 personnel, two tight ends, one running back, and really just take advantage how the Patriots were doing, like you said, Chris, with with uh with Gronk and Hernandez. Yeah, it was you know, Aaron Hernandez was was a phenomenal athlete. He had speed and he had hands. So yeah, if you can run out with two tight ends, then maybe maybe that leaves Cameron Bray the odd man out, to be honest. Because I think I believe it or not, the Buccaneers I believe have four tight ends on their active roster. It's uh I think I believe so. So maybe that leaves Cameron Bray on the out on the outside looking in in that scenario. But you know that's again of course Bray just Gronk. got paid. Bray just got paid. So that's something to keep in mind. Yeah you don't show okay. out guys I put on the bench and that's why I yes OJ Howard is the talent there but he's still the odd man out because he hasn't gotten paid yet 
All right. Yeah. And being, you know, Rob Gronkowski is known for having quite a number of injuries. So, you know, they may, they may keep them all there just in case, you know, Gronk has to miss a couple games, you know, here and there. So it's not a bad look, Chris. I got to say, you know, you might, you could be right here. Um, Brady having, you know, a phenomenal offensive statistically season here. To be honest, I thought they were going to go after Leonard Fournette coming up. You know, that's still kind of that situation. In Jacksonville hasn't really resolved itself yet to putting, if you put Fournette back there, and man, this offense is just be potent to watch every single, just be phenomenal. And just week after week, they're putting up 35 points a game to me. You know, you know, I mean, looking at I me, mean, they could be able to do it now with the, with, with the weapons Brady has. And if you, if you keep him upright, they will be just fine. And then Fournette could be a good block, block blocking back as well, too. So they did bring him in a rookie uh, right tackle from the draft too. Brady's highly touted to do. So they, they definitely know that keeping Tom upright is a part of this whole equation. Absolutely. Yep. From a fantasy standpoint, Chris Godwin was the number one wide receiver last year um, without Tom Brady and all those other weapons. I'm just saying for all you gamblers out there. <laughs> yep, well noted, Chris. Moving along to some other quarterback news. It's been a couple weeks this has happened, but the Panthers released former league MVP Cam Newton. Um, I was not entirely surprised by this, but man, it's just more surprising that he hasn't landed on a team just yet. Chris, I'll go to you first here. Really where could Cam Newton go? I mean, is he still a starter in this league, barring all the injuries that he's had? And what do you think it's possibility of him being being signed before the season is out, as God comes up? Honestly, Sherman, this is one of the very few years in recent history um, that I can remember and recall that there hasn't been a ton of opening starting positions, um, even going into the draft. Um, and, and those spots that were available, whether it be the Miami Dolphins or whether it be the Cincinnati Bengals, obviously going number one overall with Joe Burrows, all those were, were kind of filled. The only possible scenario I see for Cam Newton to be a starter in the 2020-2021 uh, season is with the Chicago Bears because I don't think that that team is sold on Mitch Trubisky being the franchise quarterback for that team. Um, maybe they try to bring it in, spin it as, hey, you know what, we just were adding more talent to the roster. Someone Rem- put- Chris, remember, they did sign Nick Foles as well, too. They did trade for Nick Foles, you know. So uh, Yeah, I know that. Um, Nick Foles, you know, he had a great, you know, we'll call it one-year postseason run with the Philadelphia Eagles, Super Bowl MVP, mad props to him and what he did there. Um, you know, but he, he's been thrown around this league. You know, he's, he's not a, a, a franchise quarterback. So I think the Bears could be a possible landing spot, but I don't even know that. And, you know, really the only other team, depending on how much the Redskins truly believe in Dwayne Haskins, could he land there? That's the only other thing, but you know, how much would he love to be partnered with his former backup in Carolina, Kyle Allen. Um, but honestly, at the end of the day, Sherman, he may just have to accept a backup role for one year and then move on from there. Kind of what Jameis Winston is doing in New Orleans. Um, I mean, yeah, Chris, if he does go to, let's say he Washington's a spot for him. If you're they're not really high on Dwayne Haskins as of yet, look, he gets to reunite with his former coach and Ron Rivera. So I think that's kind of an easy move there too. Um, Obed quickly, you know, Looking just at Cam Newton, his body of work, like I said, he was former MVP, took a 15-1 team to the Super Bowl, albeit a loss to the uh, to the Broncos there. But, man, you know, can he really return to his MVP form that he once was? You know, And it, wh- where do you think he could possibly go as well? 
I'm going to have to echo what Chris was saying. I thought Chicago would be the best place for him because, you know, they've got the wide receivers there that can catch anything as long as it's in the perimeter. He adds a rushing threat that David Montgomery is going to appreciate. But uh, to be quite honest, I mean, even in his MVP season, he was only completing 55% of his passes, I think 54% of his passes. You are not getting an accurate passer when you get him. And he cannot take any more hits on those shoulders, uh, especially the shoulder you're supposed to be able to throw footballs with to be able to go out there and do his job. You know, albeit I'm not going to get on him about his uh, ankle. Uh, excuse me, his, his Liz Frank entry that he had a few years ago, that foot has been an ailment for a, a few a few years now. Um, I just don't think you, you want to put him out there and put you at a disadvantage where he's going to take a hit and be out of the game uh, or throw errant passes that, you know, really are the reason why he does, he's out of a job right now. Because even if he becomes a pocket passer, which at the end of the day, the entire quarterbacking the uh, the philosophy of quarterbacking has taken a nosedive in the NFL right now the fact that the Bears had even went up and drafted uh, uh Mitch Trubisky when they could have had Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes uh, when you look at the body of work since then and then brought in a guy like Nick Foles I don't care if Nick Foles played in the offense before uh that Matt Nagy is coordinating uh look at uh, what is the, what is the Trey Burton? Trey Burton came over from the Eagles, uh, to the bears. Oh, he played in the same offense, that Matt Nagy offense that they run the Doug Patterson offense. It's just basically Andy Reid's offense. Uh, he didn't look good at all and then got injured and really has been a waste of, of a really, you know, quality player who got paid very highly. Um, I, I think that Cam's best pot. I, I do agree that, that Chicago is probably the best place for him unless he wants to go understudy somewhere, but teams aren't taking chances on these guys who honestly were lucky to have the opportunity that they did in the places that they were, that there's no reason to go back to the well and give them another opportunity. I'd rather have a chance with somebody new and fresh that we can mold versus somebody who we kind of know what we get. Yeah. yeah you know, and, and I'm sorry, go ahead, me, I'm sorry, real quick, you know, and, and, Great point, Obed. You know, honestly, I think, you know, a great landing spot. Obviously, though, I don't think it could work from a salary cap perspective for Cam Newton just to, you know, sit a year or so behind someone, another veteran like himself with someone who's been more successful, who's going to probably move on within a year or two is my hometown team of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think Cam Newton would be a great fit with the Steelers, with that organization, with that structure around him, with a team that's always, you know, at, at worst, at worst, an 8-8 eight eight team, to learn how it is to be in a winning mentality around a culture. Mike Tomlin, one of the best coaches in all of professional sports, not just the NFL. I think that would be a great landing spot if Cam could, you know, somehow, you know, take it and, and kind of, you know, subdue his, his pride, so to speak and sit behind Big Ben, who's going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback. But again, from a salary cap perspective, I don't think that's going to work, but that's just my opinion. You know, it's funny. Right before you said it, Chris, I was actually thinking it myself. Steelers, you know, and used to being with Mike Tomlin, I think it could improve his game quite a bit, to be honest with you. And being that, being that Ben, you know, was out pretty much was all of last year with the elbow injury, He's had a knees. He's had a back. He's had an appendix. You know what I mean? He's had a, a plethora of injuries throughout his career. Who knows? Cam Newton can get signed as a quote-unquote backup and start more than half the season. <laughs> you know what I mean? Still almost made the playoffs last year with Mason Rudolph. With exactly. Mason Rudolph. Imagine if they would have Cam Newton in there. Who would have? What could have happened with that team? Right, exactly. With a healthy Cam Newton. So, yeah, I mean – Pittsburgh is not a bad landing spot. You know, they're developing, you know, you, uh, they've got they've got some good offensive weapons. You know, they've got James Conner, the running back. 
Um, you know, I mean, so I, I, I like what they've got going on there. And like I said, the coach really, it's really, it's really Mike Timeline. That's why I think it would be a very, that would be a very good fit for him. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. Another QB news is Saints actually just re-signed backup quarterback Taysom Hill to a two-year $21 million deal, $16 million guaranteed. They're also looking at signing Jameis Winston as well, too. As of course, we know Drew Brees is still there. He's, he, he did a two-year extension, so he's going to be sticking around for a bit. Um, Obed, your thoughts quickly on signing Taysom Hill. You know, maybe perhaps is he the future of that team once Drew Brees is retired? And then quickly your thoughts on if Winston does sign, you know, what kind of role could he play? Yeah, so as far as uh, them signing Taysom Hill, I mean, they like him. You know, there's, there's definitely uh, – he helps them win. They, they've they made some uh, – his third down conversion rate is amazing. It's incredible. Uh, I think it's higher than Christian McCaffrey's. Uh, but, you know, let's be quite honest here. Um, this is a gadget player, and I have very deep-seated issues with how they are really kind of propping up the the – really the fable of Taysom Hill versus like what he actually gives you. Uh, I think if you can groom someone like Jameis Winston, who can deliver the ball with a velocity, who can make big plays, who had 5,000 yards, uh, 30 touchdowns, unfortunately 30 interceptions. Um, I think if you could clean up his game and I feel like a guy like uh, Sean Payton could help figure out what the issues are and work with him. And well, this is, this is a national championship winning quarterback we're talking about here. Right. Uh, yes. At one time he threw it to Calvin Benjamin, who used to be a national championship winning wide receiver. Remember a Heisman, a Heisman trophy winning quarterback, a Heisman well trophy winning quarterback, probably one of the better Heisman trophy winning quarterbacks we've seen in a while. I, you know, and not to take anything away from Kyler Murray. Um, that that you know, I just am not a hundred percent certain why you continue to prop up Taysom Hill as this guy. Let, let's let's be clear here. He, Taysom Hill is definitely not the quarterback of the future for the Saints. And if you're telling me that you are at, at by the time Taysom Hill is, is quote unquote ready to not be the backup anymore and take over the team, uh, you are not allowing him to throw errant passes to the Ferraris in Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara. You're just not going to that. That's that is going to be a disaster waiting to happen. I think he has been given yes as a $21 million two year contract, 16 million guaranteed as a two year, eight million each year contract. That is backup money. That's good backup money. That's backup money. I'm telling you the starter for this team when Drew Brees retires is going to be Jameis Winston. Let's be quite honest. And I heard this the other day uh, uh, from the NFL guys. Uh, uh, Jameis Winston has thrown more passes to the Saints than Taysom Hill has. So let's be quite honest here. Like he's ready to slide <laughs> right in and go back to what he's been known to do. Um, as, <laughs> well, as far that's, as, that's funny. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. Uh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I was just actually going to throw it over to Chris really and get your thought. Can Jameis Winston once again become a, a starter in this league? You know, albeit obviously if he signs this deal, if the deal goes through with the Saints, he will be the backup, of course. But it's it's possibly just going to be a one year deal. So, I mean, is it really an opportunity for him to just sit there back and learn and develop under Sean Payton and, of course, under Drew Brees? But, you know, can he really be a starter once again in the in the league? Wasn't it funny with the uh, Taysom Hill situation that we had this situation exactly, what, six, seven years ago with a guy by the name of, um, what's that Florida quarterback again, his name? Oh, I can't remember, Tim Tebow, but yet he couldn't play in the league and now he's out, but it's the exact same situation with Hill. Um, I digress. Jameis Winston, this is the absolute perfect, perfect situation for him. Just like we mentioned with Cam Newton possibly landing with you know, a, a great quality Hall of Fame coach uh, like Mike Tomlin. Same thing here with, with Sean Payton and Drew Brees. 
this is a perfect situation to rebuild his image professionally, personally, and learn from literally one of the top five quarterbacks in NFL history on how to not only, you know, be a great player, but be a great professional. Um, I think this would be a perfect fit for him. Obed is exactly right on this. He will be the future for them. I think Drew Brees has got one year left in him. I know he's trying to stretch it out to two. I think he's got one more run in him. Try to stretch and pad his stats to hopefully knock on wood. Tom Brady doesn't pass him. I'm sorry, Obed. Uh, <laughs> and some <laughs> things like that. But but no, I think this would be a great fit for him. And I honestly, you know, Jameis was the only 30 and 30 quarterback in NFL history. 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. But you know what? The guy did throw for 5,000 yards last year. He is one of only eight times that has ever happened in NFL history, albeit five of those other eight were all by Drew Brees, <laughs> who he's going to be learning. <laughs> under. Um, but it's a perfect situation. I, I'm, I'm hopeful for him. You know, uh, I honestly wish Jameis nothing but the best here. Yeah, I, I agree with you, both of you guys, that it would be Jameis being the starter over Taysom Hill eventually. Um, you know, I kind of, I like your thought there, Chris, on comparing Hale to, uh, good old Tim, Timmy boy, Tim Tebow, um, you know, in his situation, you know, gadget kind of player, you know, can make plays here and out, but it's not a real threat, you know, as far as an elite quarterback is, is concerned. I think, yeah, I think Jameis Winston will be the starter if indeed that he does sign with the New Orleans Saints. Moving on, other some uh, league, league news that happened uh, a couple of weeks back was that they officially announced that the playoffs will be enhanced to a 14-team playoff instead of 12. So there'll be seven from each conference with now being three wild cards um, for each conference. And now only the top seed beginning the bye week. I'll just go over to either of you guys really just, just quickly here, Obed, um, your thoughts on making it uh, a 14 team playoff. I think they just watered down the playoffs. Uh, I, I'm willing to die on that hill. Uh, you remove one of the bye weeks uh, and you, uh, you, then you open up the, you remove a bye week from the top and then you add an opportunity to go to the playoffs in the bottom. Now, you know, this is something that would probably work in fantasy football, right? Because after a certain time of the season, teams kind of fall off not knowing that they're going to they have a chance to get to the playoffs or not because they're so far behind. If you opened up and said, hey, uh, we're going to grab one team in the seventh spot of the playoffs and we're going to add them in, then, yeah, you'd probably make it a little more competitive. Uh, personally, I think what the NFL needs to focus on is increasing the, the not parity, but like guess school some of these teams up, man. These teams are just out here making bonehead decisions, uh, not making these players better, like continually just doing things and uh, did getting in their own way from being successful. That I don't think an extra playoff spot is going to help. Like that's just another team that's probably going to be below 500 going into the wild card round to play a crappy game. You know, I think of the uh, the Bengals versus the Texans many, many moons ago. And this was a Bengals team that it was one of the three teams out of the AFC North. And everybody was like, oh, man, the AFC North is so tough. Really, the AFC North was paired up against the NFC South that didn't have one 500 team that was just giving wins away to the AFC North because the difference between the AFC North and the NFC South was that big. Um, yeah, oh, I, I for sure. don't I don't particularly like it. But, you know, hey, in the in those if you think of it from the sense of fantasy football, it should make those bottom tier bottom feeder teams more competitive. Chris, do you do you like the move or do you think it's just kind of a of, of a waste? Well, Ben, I kind of have to disagree with you on that, buddy. Um, I don't think it's a watered-down version. This isn't the NBA, for example, where literally you can have the lower three seeds all be below 500 and make the playoffs. I think the last the last <laughs> team that was under 500 
that made the playoffs and actually won their division was the Seattle Seahawks. Um, and that was in 2012. Um, historically in the NFL, you've actually shown that teams that are a five or six seed, um, you know, regionally here, the New York Giants recently were a six seed and they won the Super Bowl. Um, I think expanding that, you know, when teams mostly only miss the playoffs by a half game out or for a tiebreaker reason or by one game, when you expand it, you give the opportunity to teams that might be just as good as that first two or three seeds to give them that opportunity. So I actually do like this. Um, and I love that they're taking away a preseason game. Get rid of that garbage. It's not fair to the fans that are watching. It's not fair to the season ticket holders. Um, uh, we want more competitive football. And this is going to be more competitive football. Preseason is not that another playoff game is. Chris, when you take away a preseason game, you take away an opportunity for a guy like Adam Thielen to stunt in the preseason game and make the roster. You take away an opportunity for a guy like Malcolm Butler to stunt and make it onto the roster. Those preseason games might not mean anything to the big guys, but that's an opportunity for an undrafted free agent who might end up like win a Super Bowl, make amazing play somewhere down the line because they had a chance to shine when none of the actual starters were playing. I would shine outside. I'll agree to some to some degree that yes, you taking away a preseason game, you giving you giving less time for guys to kind of get their chance. But I believe taking away the preseason game will allow us to have a seventeen game season later on. That only then that affects the they set the additional playoff team. So that I think we're still going to be at four preseason games this year. I believe in the twenty twenty season, that's going to start at least as early as of twenty twenty one when they add that seventeenth game. So, the, so we're still at that right now, but. I do think, to a bet's point, it, you take away a possible opportunity for somebody to make a team. The one you take away that preseason, because let's 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 be honest here, those preseason games are for those backup guys trying to get a job, trying to get a check. They're not for the starters. So I, I I'll agree with you. There's some point there, but let's move along here. Um, the the league also came out with an, a very nice uh, little uh, report that came out a couple weeks ago about an all-decade team. Excuse me. Decade, as far as offense, defense, and special teams. Um, Chris, I know you had a thought on this that you wanted to express here. Maybe you were thinking whether you agree with it or you know who should be on or who shouldn't be on it. Um, please go ahead here because this team is these teams are pretty stacked offensively and defensively wise. I mean, just quickly, I mean, offensively, you got Brady, Rodgers, AB, uh, Megatron, looking at it, you know, Travis Kelsey, Frank Gore. I mean, the list kind of goes on offensively, defensively. The roster is stacked as well, too, from J.J. Watt, Aaron Donald, Patrick Peterson, Revis Island, Richard Sherman. Man, you know, you, Chris, what are you thinking? Why do you think they should change? They should leave it alone here? Honestly, Sherman, this is a tough call. There were a ton of phenomenal players in the last 10 years. Um, I'll just stick on the offensive side. You know, where's Drew Brees? Where, where's Drew yep. Brees? I get, yeah. I, I get it. There's only two quarterbacks. And if you're going to pick two, you probably pick the right two in the GOAT, you know, Tom Brady, and then the most talented quarterback to ever play in the NFL, that being Aaron Rodgers. But Drew Brees, come on, man. All-time lean passing percentage, yards. I mean, he's got to be on there. But honestly, the only glaring issue that I saw on this was putting Travis Kelsey at tight end. Are we forgetting about Tony Gonzalez? Tony Gonzalez, arguably, to this point, you know, I think most talent-wise, we could probably agree that Rob Gronkowski is the best tight end ever. But statistically, Tony Gonzalez, from 2010 to 20, he had nine seasons, guys, of over 70 receptions. And he actually even went over 100 receptions in 2004. He averaged over 1,000 yards a season the entire decade. How do you leave him off the all-decade well, for Travis Kelsey? only played. He only played into 2013. That's when he retired after the 2013 season. 
that's that is why. So going for, if you're going from 2010 to 2020, you know he only played four 2010, 11, 12, and 13. He only played four seasons. So I think that's why they kind of went church crab discussing. Chris, I'll agree with you. Tony G, one of the greatest tight ends, if not the greatest best tight end of all time. Like I said, you can argue Gronkowski. Uh, you know what I mean? But I still like Tony G. But he, I, I think it was morely because his last four seasons, um, he played, you know, he played his last five seasons with Atlanta, and the last four seasons were counted for this decade. You know, he, he, he last two, he pretty good. You know, the second to last season, he had 93 catches. He never had over a thousand yards in in the in that 2010s decade range, those four seasons. So I think that's the reason why Travis Kelsey just had better numbers during that time frame. Hence why I think they went with, with Tony G. They, um, excuse me, went with him instead of Tony G. Um, Obed, your thoughts on the, offensively, defensively, what you're thinking there? Uh, I will say on the Tony G comment, I think Gronkowski is better because Tony G doesn't give you anything in the run game. He was a move tight end. He wasn't he wasn't physical at the line of scrimmage. Uh, and then on the I only had one issue on the defense. I don't know what Teron Matthew is doing on that list. That is all hype. That is all name. Where is a kid to leave? Where is Stefan Gilmore? Right. That makes no sense to me that over the course of and maybe Stefan just kind of new to the party. But every I'm pretty sure everybody knew how good he was. A kid to leave should be on this list in place of Teron Matthew. Yeah, um, I'll I'll say a kid to leave was probably probably going there before Tyron Matthew. And I'll even agree with Chris saying that you know, Drew Brees, I get it. You're only going to pick two, two QBs and heck, I'd probably leave out leave off somebody else. I don't think you can have this list without Drew Brees. It's it's kind of like. You got Tom Brady, who's won multiple Super Bowls during this time period. Aaron Rodgers, probably the best tight end. I mean, the best uh, QB ever, excuse me. Um, And then Brew Breeze, you know, it's so rough. You got four running backs in Frank Gore, Marshawn Lynch, LaShawn McCoy, and and, and all day Adrian Peterson. I'd probably, honestly, probably take out LaShawn McCoy. Let me not LaShawn McCoy. uh, I'd probably take out Frank Gore and then throw in Drew Brees as as the third quarterback, to be honest with you. That's how I would, that's how probably I would make the team to kind of fill it out just so Drew Brees can get on there. And I don't think leaving out Frank Gore doesn't really diminish your squad too much, to be honest there. But then again, you know, this is, like I said, they made it up. The league made it up. So so be it. Uh, let's, let's move on, folks. We're going to talk about the NFL draft right now. It has happened, of course, this past weekend. Of course, we all know. And I'm going over a prick went to the Cincinnati Bengals and they picked up the Heisman Trophy winning championship quarterback out of LSU and Joe Burrow. It was as as expected. Um, Obed, you're kind of thinking, I want to get your thinking here. How did you, first of all, how did you like the draft being that it was, you know, digital and a virtual draft this year and there was no real, you know, mini camps or things like that or pro days to kind of work with here. It was really just based on them looking at film And I believe our, our former one of our former guests, Dave, will, will surely agree with me here. Uh, and he said to me, you know, he loves it. The fact that they got to look at the film, they have to look at the product on the field to determine how they're going to draft, not just running a 40 yard. Not just lifting weights in a, in a weight room, things like that. You're. Th- and any big surprises or mistakes you think teams have may have made? So, yeah, I would say I like the draft. Honestly, it, look, it ran as smoothly as some people's at-home draft because, honestly, you didn't have time to, like, goof around. I think it got to a point where they were, like, asking teams to kind of, like, hold on a little bit because the spectacle issue of the draft was not there, right? There wasn't a, there weren't a lot of trades in the draft, I don't think, until we got way down to uh, to the first round when the Patriots traded out. Um, uh, yeah, biggest surprise that the Packers left Aaron Rodgers out to dry. Uh, in a draft that was very deep at wide receiver, you don't bring one wide receiver in. You, in fact, trade trade up to go and draft his replacement. 
you must be and and I'm at the point now in today's society where I'm not going to listen to the nonsense that jibber jabbers out of your mouth. I want to see your physical reaction. And Matt LaFleur, you look too happy to draft Jordan Love, a quarterback that I don't know if anybody actually wanted. Let's be quite honest from the the, the quarterbacks that people were talking about this year. Uh, he looked too happy and too excited to draft that guy. Um I'd say the probably one of the best drafts out there. I, I I personally I liked the Ravens draft. I think where they grab J.K. Dobbins is amazing. I you know they need somebody to to keep that run game going for them. Uh, uh, and they also picked up or uh, excuse me the Eagles going and getting Jalen Hurts and uh, that Rager the wide receiver, knowing that they have two health concern issues in Carson Wentz and Alshon Jeffrey, those two guys can slot right in. It might not look pretty, but at least they'll be able to continue going with the kind of RPO-based offense they like to run. Um, Potential stars, Jonathan Taylor, a running back out of Wisconsin that got drafted to the Indianapolis Colts, could take Marlon Mack's job. He's a smart guy. Now, I don't know about his ability to catch the ball, but he is just a very smart, good, great athlete. Um, uh, I'm not sure why the uh, Bills took another running back that could potentially replace uh, the work that Devin Singletary does. And maybe we shouldn't have expected him to get um, get all the work up there. Uh, but all in all, I think every team kind of retooled, got themselves a whole bunch of players. Uh, I don't know why the um, the Cowboys took C.D. Lamb. I don't. I think people were saying that that was because the Eagles took Dallas Goddard when the the Cowboys needed a tight end to replace Tony. Uh, um, Jason what is Witten. his name? Jason Witten. I, I can't talk like when a, he, Jason Witten is on TV broadcasting. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, I think that's going to be an amazing array of offensive ah. firepower. And if they don't pay uh, Dak Prescott now, they're going to be forced to pay him 40 million when he's throwing all these guys. Honestly, dude, I like the CD lamp pick up by the Cowboys. Um, I think that that's where they had to go because Judy had already come off the board. Rugs had to come off the board. To be honest, I'm surprised Rugs went ahead of Jerry Judy. It's very surprising there. Um, I thought C.D. Lamb would, it would. I thought it would be Judy and then Lamb going, uh, but Rugs went, of course, to Oakland, then Judy to the Denver Broncos. So yeah, I think Dak's gonna love throwing to Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb. To be honest with you, dude. Um, you know, I mean, maybe they could have gone the route of Justin Jefferson out of LSU, but yeah. I think really what changed the draft was was the Giants picking offensive lineman out of Georgia, Andrew Thomas, because really it was expected they were going to maybe possibly go with Isaiah Simmons out of Clemson. That kind of tri- trickled everything down and kind of changed up the game really, I think, a lot. And I think that's why Jerry Judy dropped. I thought the Jets might have grabbed him at number 11, but they went O-line to kind of protect Sam Bradford there, which I don't really disagree with, but I really thought they'd kind of give him some help. But yes, the biggest thing of all, first round, Packers moving up, getting drafting, Pat, uh, Rogers' so-called repl- future replacement and not getting him any help. Um, yeah, that was kind of that was kind of odd. You know, you could have gotten maybe gone gone after um, uh, what's you know maybe another another wide receiver or some another weapon here, you know, what have you. But I was kind of definitely surprised by that. You know, they could have got maybe gone after T. Higgins out of Clemson, getting a little second round or, or the one out of USC, um, Michael Pittman Jr. as well too. So. Not really sure what they were thinking there. Chris, your thoughts on the draft? Any surprises that kind of stood out? Any rather mistakes teams you think teams may have made? Well, gentlemen, I have to say you guys have completely stolen my thunder. Um, you would think you would think after looking at my notes and now hearing what what Obed and Sherm what you had to say, you would think we're one of these sophisticated shows like you know First Take or Undisputed with Skip and Shannon, where we actually go over pre the you know the game what we're going to talk about. But honestly, <laughs> you guys literally said 
everything I was going to say. Um, <laughs> honestly, uh, so I'll, I'll say, you know, from a surprise standpoint, going a little impromptu here, um, honestly, I would think the bad advice that some of the lower, if you want to call them lower tier quarterbacks got in coming out early, albeit Jake Fromm, Jacob, Jacob Eason, they went from possibly, especially Jacob Eason, one more year staying in college he was looking at a top 10 pick he dropped all the way to the fourth round guys jake Fromm, two years ago when he had that big duel with alabama just slinging it one of the best college football games in recent history yeah, just talking about first round draft yeah, I, I was surprised by that guys i feel so bad for these two young men because now they're just going to be buried on a depth chart and they're going to have to extremely, extremely fight their way up to get there. So that's probably one of my biggest surprises. And, and to go with exactly Obed, you got it on point. Best pick, I think, was C.D. Lamb. Hands down on Kuiper and McShay's board. Best wide receiver yeah. in – I'm sorry, Sherm. Best wide receiver in this class. Drops all the way from the 17 to the Dallas Cowboys. Jerry is just sitting over there salivating. <laughs> he was like, bring it on. Bring on that speed. This is a boom or bust year right now. Sign Dak, pay that man his money, go for your Super Bowl. I hate you, Dallas Cowboys, because you beat my Steelers in 95 with Neil O'Donnell as our quarterback. But go and <laughs> get that boys. This is your only chance. And, you know, guys, that's all I got to say. Again, you guys stole my thunder. You stole it. <laughs> I will say my other surprise was Jalen Hurts going to the Philadelphia Eagles there, the quarterback out of, out of Oklahoma. Um, I get it. Carson, Carson Wentz is often injured, but I don't really want to see Jalen Hurts be a backup. I want to see somewhere he can potentially be a starter in this league. And obviously Carson Wentz is the future of that team. He's their franchise QB. So I don't think he'll get a chance there. I think you're going to use him, you know, in some ticky tack play, maybe some special plays, you know, really I got out in that Doug Peterson offense. Philly special plays, you know, things like that. So I would rather him go to a team where he could potentially be a starter. Um, I like also, I also like the Lions uh, picking the second round, going after DeAndre Swift, the running back out of Georgia. Um, the Lions really haven't had a, a premier running back in a quite some time. Hopefully they go there. They went defense in the first round because, yeah, they haven't had a good defense in since the day before forever, um, to be honest with you. You know, I mean, look, the Lions haven't won a playoff game in 60 years, guys. In 60 years, so and they need to improve that defense, which because which has just been horrible. One of the last I time you know that's the why they brought in Matt Patricia, old trash. <laughs> yeah, mad about it. Um, but man, yeah. Other than that, yeah, it would kind of like I said, it, it, that Giants pick at number four kind of changed things up a little bit. Other than that, kind of went as expected. You know, I was gonna just quickly just to kind of recap. There was not many defensive linemen in the gone in the first round. I think it was about three total defensive linemen that went in the first round. You saw all the receivers. You saw a good number of quarterbacks and offensive linemen, to be honest with you. We're in years past. A lot of DNs and D tackles go in the first round, but not, not this year. Quarterbacks, uh, you know, excuse me, cornerbacks went there as well, too. So that was kind of a surprise for me there, too. But um, overall, good draft. I like the format. It, it went as smooth, it can, smooth as can be. Um, but, yeah, hopefully we'll get back to the uh, old-fashioned ways going, going up on stage uh, next, next year. So we'll see what happens there. Enough about football. Let's transition to basketball just quickly here, folks. Uh, I know we've been watching uh, ESPN and Netflix's documentary on the Chicago Bulls um, called The Last Dance. Episodes three and four aired this past Sunday. Um, man, I am all about this. As we all know, I'm one of the biggest Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan's fans out there. Um, episodes tattoo. three and four. I'm sorry. What was that, Chris? I said, and said you have the tattoo to show it. 
Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, episode three or four, we fo- focused on Dennis Rodman, some of the other players. Is Horace Grant, BJ Armstrong. Oh, first of all, Horace Grant. Why is my man more swole now than he ever was when he was playing back in the day? <laughs> right? Spending his off time eating protein and just working out. Dude, he was eating straight steak and potatoes for the past ten years, just doing straight push up push ups. Yeah, he's on he's on he's on that Frank Thomas workout, guys. You know, was it Nugenics or whatever they come up with? <laughs> dude, that dude was doing something. I don't know if he's hitting hitting the needle or what, because that dude looked brolic in his interview, yo. Yo, him and Brett Favre, man, they're 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 throwing down in the fields around the copper tape fit commercial. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, man, I don't know what it is, but man, I don't know if he's he's drinking Atkins shakes or what, yo. Sherman, I think I think you're I think you're the elder statesman on the show. So just so you know, look at that. There is hope for you. Uh, hopefully, hopefully you are correct with your hope for me. <laughs> but man, yeah, these episodes are great. Um, really, we got to look into see what Dennis Rodman was like, man, dude, going off to Vegas in the middle of a season. <laughs> Jordan telling coach, yo. Don't let that man go. Don't he ain't coming back. Don't don't son. He's not coming back. <laughs> he didn't come back. They what, had to go get him in Vegas. Phil was too chill. Phil was just too chill with who Zed with it. Like, oh, he'll be fine, bro. I'm telling you, he's not coming back. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing. That's why Rodman liked playing with that or in that organization because they knew him. They Rodman knew that Phil understood him. He knew he needed a time away. And just quickly, kind of off color here, topic off color here. Um. How good did Carmen Electra look in that interview? Yo, tell me, she still looked good, dude. Hey, bro, hey. she looked, she still looked good. I, she yeah, that's all I'll say. She looked good. Yeah, Yo, I'm not gonna say anymore. Be, 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 between the Playboy beauties of the early to mid '90s and her and Pam, I think Carmen made out just fine in that battle. <laughs> but yep, yep. But I digress, man. Um, they focused on the bad boys, Pistons, dude. This was definitely a, a very, very some good episodes here. Obed, I'll throw it to you first. Um. What do you t- talk about Dennis Rodman, his effect on the team, maybe whether it was positive or negative. And then if you want to talk about the bad boys Pistons as well, too, feel free. Yeah. So I would say uh, Dennis Rodman, you know, and I think I think uh, you have to understand Dennis Rodman as he existed in just the aura of the Bulls for years. First as a person keeping them from getting to the championship and then as a person who helped make them tough from his years as being a tough guy to will them into the championship or at least give them that edge that they needed all around. Uh, and then, you know, talked about him uh, stepping in there when uh, uh, Scotty Pippen was out to kind of be that guy for Jordan that Jordan needed to go out there uh, and, and help will this team forward because it just seemed like they were, they, they had great role players, but they didn't have an edge. Right. And I think that's the one thing about this, this the episodes three and four was you saw that there was an edge there, uh, them not having it and losing out to the bad boys who we you know what. I, and I'm, this is going to be very blasphemous for me to say, how good were the Detroit Pistons really? Because it just seemed like the league turned a blind eye to them playing punishing defense. Right. Like right. allowing them to be to players and just will them or, or, or just weaken them mentally physically until they could like pull off the w right like if they just there was an a a, a um a scene where uh scotty pippen got hit in the face by lambeer on the way down on a rebound 
and the ref came out and just dragged Scottie Pippen off of the court and allowed them to keep playing four against five as opposed to calling a timeout, an injury timeout. Are you kidding me? And this <laughs> is the team that you allow to get crowned? Like, I, I just... That, that's, I that was going to be my question, you know, were the Pistons really that good or were they just a bunch of bullies that just beat people up and, and was able to kind of dominate over them and just get to score more points because they were teams were just helpless, you know? I, I, I don't know. Bullies. Bullies. I, I don't know if they were as good as, as they made themselves out to be, but it, that that's, you know, uh, for another time, another conversation. Um, I, I just watching Dennis Rodman, one thing I noticed was like how vilified he was for basically just being our age's uh, uh, prince. That's really all he was. He just he literally just adorned his body and dressed himself up like like the artist formerly known as walked around doing the same thing. But I guess it was just looked down upon because he played basketball. He was supposed to be a certain something, have have a certain something. Uh, he's got a bunch of rings. I know that much, whether you like the way he did it or the way he looked at it. He's definitely a competitor. I'm not sure if he's got more rings on his fingers than than on, on his face, to be honest with you, dude. But <laughs> he's got he's got five chips, though. He's got five two with two with Detroit and three with the Bulls. I would definitely go to the face. <laughs> Chris, I mean, quickly, your thoughts, your thoughts on episodes three and four and, you know, and, and the effect that Rodman may have had on the, on the, on the bull squad. Honestly, you know, guys, I, I think, you know, I was watching it and, and, and I love the content, the content and, and the behind the scenes is phenomenal, but you know, it's interesting enough is that, you know, um, Jordan got last word on all this stuff. So just so you know, uh, nothing, in these episodes, all eight episodes are going to come out, came out without Jordan giving it the thumbs up on. So it's interesting to see what is and isn't being left out of this. Uh, again, great content, too much jumping around in my point, guys. You know, you go from, from Jordan's second or third year to the 98 season to talk about Rodman, to then talking about, you know, filling his zen and his boot. It was too much jumping around. There's no consistency in this. That's my only knock, but I love the content. Rodman was a phenom. We've never seen anything like it. This guy literally, all he would do when he was on point was study film and understand rebounding, defense, angles of balls, spins, where it's going to go, where mm -hmm. this guy goes. Be like his left, his right. He he's literally that he, was very interesting. He has the record for most twenty rebounds with zero points ever recorded in NBA history. At seven. Next closest player had two. Um, I mean, it's, it's phenomenal. His impact was the only reason I think they won their second three-peat. Jordan was obviously the best player in the league. Scottie Pippen, probably arguably the second or third best player in the league at that time. If it wasn't for Dennis Rodman, I think Jordan, his legacy stops with three. Okay, that's very interesting. Yes, I'll agree that Rodman helped them get over the get over the hump there in that in that, in that uh, second three P. You know, without him, who knows what would have happened? Could they have at least won maybe one or two championships? I think it's still a possibility. Jordan will that team, you know, score and just dominating even more. But man, um, talking about the Pistons just to, just for a second here, yeah. They, the, it was the fact that it took the Bulls so the third time was a charm. You know, they met in the Eastern Conference Finals with three straight seasons. You know, Pistons took them out in the first two. Jordan had to get over that hump to win that first championship, you know, to be in that category with Magic, to be in that category with Larry Bird as one of the greatest players. But he couldn't win a title. He couldn't get past the Pistons. And finally, they said, dude, you got to get in the weight room, dude. You got to get your, you got to, you got to body up because they were just, like we said before, they were just a bunch of bullies. But, um, but yeah, Rodman, man, with the off color comments and his lifestyle that he was going on. But I think 
he knew that that team accepted him for who he was. And so he was okay with it. And he knew Phil Jackson was okay with it. Jordan and Pippen, he could rally around those dudes. And that's why I think it, I think it worked for them. And that's why it was such a great fit. Um, also being on the fact that I wanted to touch on how we, you know, cause you know, Phil Jackson wasn't always the coach. It, but first, before before Phil, it was Doug Collins who was there for what three seasons, and then next thing you know, Phil Phil comes in. Phil was the assistant coach. He learned the triangle offense under Tex Winters, brought that in because Doug Collins was so opposed to it. Apparently, and even barred Phil. I mean, uh, bar, he barred barred Tex from being on the sideline at, at games. So, and this really changed really the offense. It, it changed Jordan to be an ISO player to being more of a team player. And he said, all right, let's do it. If it's going to win, let's do it. But man, but look what I want to look what Jordan did under Doug Collins, league MVP, all-star MVP, two-time slam dunk champ, defensive player of the year under Doug Collins. I, I, Chris Oral, but I'll ask you, did Doug Collins really mold Michael Jordan to be Michael Jordan, the best player ever, you know, and Phil, Phil, I think Phil enhanced it. Yes, of course. But really was it Doug Collins who kind of helped him to that degree to get, to get where he wanted to be? Well, sure. I'll actually reverse that. I, I think, um, I think that Doug Collins enhanced Michael Jordan from what he came from out of North Carolina, you know, as a young kid that had, you know, obviously a lot of raw talent, had a little bit of confidence, and he instilled a ton of confidence in Michael Jordan saying, you know what, what's the game plan at the end of the game? Give Michael Jordan the bleeping, bleeping exploitation ball and get out of the way. <laughs> he gave him the confidence to say, you are the man. So he enhanced him. Like you said, MVP, all-star MVP, two-time slam dunk champion, but you know what, that's here and over there to me, and defensive player of the year. Well, what happened under what happened with Phil Jackson? Four more MVPs. You know, how many titles? So I would actually say the opposite, that Phil Jackson molded Michael Jackson to be the Michael goal. Jordan. <laughs> Michael, Michael Jackson. Jackson. Sorry, we're talking about Michael. My apologies, gentlemen. Michael Jordan <laughs> to be the GOAT. Um, and Doug Collins just gave simply gave him the confidence to be that scoring. But it wasn't until Phil Jackson came along and said, you need to use your team. It's great that you're out here scoring 37 points a game, winning scoring titles. But guess what? You're getting knocked out two years in a row by the Detroit Pistons. You have to encompass your team. Same thing happened when Phil Jackson went to L.A. with, with Kobe. Yes, you know, he had Shaq. But it wasn't until they fully – and Kobe fully immersed the team aspect and what the triangle offense has – 40,000 different options from that offense that can be run and where you can truly shine and become the greatest player in NBA history. Absolutely. Oh, oh, oh bet. I'll throw it to you over here quickly before we, before we head out, man, uh, Phil Jackson's impact on Jordan developing his game. It really, was it more of him or do you think it was more Doug Collins? I think it was more Phil Jackson because of his holistic approach. You know, you see he's, he's out here doing yoga with, with, uh, with Michael Jordan, like what? Like you're you're involving, you know, including uh, Eastern medicine styles, um, excuse me, into your program um, where other teams probably aren't doing stuff like that. They're just running suicides, running drills all over the place. Uh, Doug Collins, yes, was pivotal in uh, Jordan's career, but really Jordan even said it himself. Doug Collins put the ball in my hands and any coach who, I, and I'm not saying that Doug Collins isn't a good coach because Doug Collins has coached everywhere. Uh, any any coach can say we're putting the ball in the hands of our player, 
we're writing up our plays and scheming up for our best player, right? At some point, you need to realize that you are not going to win just putting the ball in the hands of the best player. You're going to make it over the hump of those very marginal small points uh, that are make or break, right? Did we make that last bucket when, I mean, this guy came out and scored 63 points on the on the Celtics. His team could end, and he had six assists, so he really scored 75 points. And you couldn't get a little defense to keep one last basket out to get the W, right? And what if they had spread those points around? Do they get those wins more often, right? But again, these coaches, they only know to put the ball in Michael's hand because Michael's going to do these things. Michael's always going to do these things. I don't know how you can't, I don't think you really coach him. You just give him the ball and then scheme everybody to help get him open. And a lot of that is just Michael's own work. That's Michael willing them to these points. I think I have to give the nod to Phil for because we've watched Phil do it on multiple occasions now where he can go there with the best, change their mindset from having to be the guy who scores all the time, creates team ball, and then it turns into championships, right? Like just go there, deliver the blueprint into the machine, and then rings start popping out. There's got to be something said for that. Yeah, I'll agree with you guys. So it's a point where, yeah, Phil Jackson really kind of developed his team game really wasn't for him. Like you said, getting the ball out of his hands from what Don Collins was doing, you know, just kind of – being more isolation plays, you know, that bringing that triangle offense was really the turning point to their team success and to Jordan's career, to be honest with you. So uh, I think the documentary is great. I'm looking, definitely looking forward to next week, episodes five and six that are coming out. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to them having more interviews with more players like Tony Kukoc. Hopefully, you know, maybe Ron Harper was thrown in there a little bit last week. So I'm looking forward to that and more behind the scenes footage. So I'm definitely going to see what what episodes five and six are going to look like this week. But um, folks, I think that is going to wrap it up for us this week here on What's the Word Entertainment. Um, Chris, you're the guest this week. Any last words for the people here that you got you want to share? Any notes you want to point out? Anything we should be watching or you know, being aware of? Everyone's still on lockdown here. Oh, no, guys. I'm just really happy and and very grateful and thankful for being on the show. I appreciate you guys and your insight. Love talking with you. Um, Everyone, please stay safe and and just get out and enjoy, you know, getting out, enjoy life. Be safe. Keep your social distancing. But at the same time, you know, enjoy life and and enjoy everything that we have going around us. Be be very grateful for it. Absolutely. Well, well well said, Chris. Obed, anything from you, sir? So I want everyone to know that the greatest sneaker that Michael Jordan ever released is the Jordan 4, and you will see it on his feet when he hit the game-winning shot against the Cavs and was doing the fist pump. The bread 4s, my God. Just watching the sneakers in real life, in real time, on this documentary has blown my mind as a sneakerhead. Okay, first of- just like Chris said. <laughs> okay, first of all, I got a comment here. I know, yes, be safe, everybody, all that, but forget that noise. The Jordan 4 is not the greatest sneaker of all time, okay? <laughs> the Jordan 11, oh. damn <laughs> The Space Jam, that's because of the movie. No, Let's be no, honest. No, the Concord 11s are the greatest basketball sneaker of all time, okay? Yes, the Red 4s, which I have, I have those, yes, I'm a sneakerhead, of course, but the Jordan 11 Concords, don't even <laughs> You would have this shoe and be like, okay, of course I have this shoe too, but just letting you know. Don't even get me started on that. We're on the way out, folks. We will continue this conversation at a later point in time. Um, folks, don't forget this. Don't forget to check us out on SoundCloud.com slash What's the Word Entertainment, and of course on Twitter at the WWENT for Obed and for our guest Chris. I am Sherm. We will catch you guys next time. Peace. Peace.